Well, we humans tend to be dramatic creatures and storytellers. So when we think about courts, we think about the Supreme Court. When we think about crimes, we think about things like murder. But that's not really where the problem is. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Woodle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. Uh, gentlemen, as most everybody who's ever heard my voice before knows, I've been binge watching these uh, body cam videos from the police. Uh, they're remarkable. They're absolutely remarkable. It's astonishing what really goes on out there. But what seems to me to be happening in this country on sort of a meta level is we're not having so much of a problem catching criminals. That used to be the problem. You know, where is he? You know, we got to find this guy. The problem isn't catching criminals. The problem is you catch criminals who on videotape commit felony assault on law enforcement officers, commit, you know, you know, resisting with violence, all of these offenses, and they get walked down to either dismissed or you're out on a $200 signature bond or, uh, you know, you, you've got you got $600 of community service or some rich kid who's smashed her, you know, brand new Lexus into into a, a bus, you know, has to pay, a, you know, an $800 fine, which is just a, a joke for them. And this inability to enforce the small laws is what's really getting us up into trouble because much like the broken windows policy that, that Giuliani um, uh, and uh, was it Bill um, back... Britain, Britain, did in New York where, hey, if there are broken windows or people urinating on the streets, it's clear that this is a lawless zone. What we're seeing now is that these low-level, relatively minor crimes are not being punished at all. And what that says to me is, is that your encounter with law enforcement as a lawbreaker and your encounter with the legal justice system shows you that you can do whatever the hell you want to and the punishment will be either none or negligible, which reinforces your sense that you can get away with it again. So, uh, you know, Steve, we, we see a lot of these things where where people are just arguing and they're just more and more out of control and, and all these charges are dropped and and it it makes you wonder, you know, if, if some 22-year-old uh, girl is pulled over and she's blowing like 2.8 and barely able to stand, and she's done the field sobriety <coughs> tested, you know, insulted the officers, resisted arrest, screamed and yelled, kicked the inside of the squad car, all of those things, goes to the police station, is booked in jail, and then the next day she's asked to pay a $100 fine. Where We are losing the ability to correct criminals early. We are, we are losing the ability to kind of head them off at the pass while they're still doing relatively trivial things. Yeah, you reminded me of one of my favorite one of these body cam videos, and it was a long one. This thing must have gone on for 25, 30 minutes, maybe even longer. I can't remember where it was, some big city somewhere, it might have been in Texas, where this very patient, very polite, young-sounding police officer is dealing with a young, drunk female driver who is claiming, um, you can't arrest me, I'm female, you can't arrest me, I'm trans, you can't you can't arrest me and she even told him to stop being a white male at her and this, this <laughs> sense of entitlement scott you you have to look this one up it's it's just it's it's one of the funniest things you'll ever watch frustratingly funny but still funny and seriously this this police officer he is just he Saint, saintly patience. He's trying so hard to be polite. He refers to her as ma'am. Don't you misgender me? I'm. It, mm. it, it's it's a classic case of uh, 
of of entitlement. And I, I if I could sum up what Bill has been saying in his intro, it's it's a sense of entitlement that is being engendered by our justice system. And I think it's interesting uh, that you brought up the broken windows thing, because there were people who, uh, as as Giuliani's and uh, uh, Bratton, I think was his name, as as their reforms started to really take hold in New York City. And, and New York City went from being a place where you didn't want to be alone at night or even on a crowded night to the safest big city in the world. It was the safest big city in the world. It and, was like Disneyland in Times Square. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of people said, oh, well, it wasn't really the broken windows policing. It wasn't the stop and frisk. There are just there are long term sociological trends that are beneficial and Giuliani and uh, Bratton or whatever his name is I wish I could remember just kind of piggybacked on that they were they were, they were very lucky in their in their timing and I thought well let's 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 see what happens and sure enough Bill de Blasio comes along and he undoes all these reforms and it and it took a little while these things don't change overnight but we are watching New York get worse not better so we went from oh it's 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 correlation not causation in the 90s to well as you're undoing these things we're seeing these trends come back that's that's a little more correlation uh maybe we can conclude that there is causation going on here um ah gosh i was i was hoping to avoid talking about this but uh i will and i'll do my best to keep it together as as our backstage viewers know and uh, my readers at pj media and instapundit know my my 19 year old niece was murdered in austin on monday night um her killer is uh, 20 years old he has been in and out of jail repeatedly on various gun and drug charges this is a guy about whom you could safely say by the time he became a legal adult just a couple of years ago he is going to end up getting himself killed or killing somebody else or both. And sure enough, Monday night, he murdered my niece and tried to kill himself. And you could see this, but at no point along the way, at no point did the criminal justice system in Austin say, wow, this guy is a bad guy and needs to be dealt with as as." as ruthlessly as the justice system allows in order to, number one, protect society, and number two, if it's possible, turn him around and, and reform him before he does something truly awful. Well, nobody punished him as ruthlessly as the legal system allows. He did not have an opportunity to turn himself around, and he was given an opportunity to finally kill somebody, which he took. And that's about as much about that as I can talk about without completely losing it. So I'll, I'll, I'll drop that now. But the point is this. People do what they are either allowed to do or encouraged to do. And in so many of our cities now, they are allowed and encouraged to be their worst possible selves. And we're seeing the result. And I think we can conclude now that it is causation and not correlation. <laughs> Well, the city of New York is the is the control experiment that proves the point. Uh, every other large city that's been democratically run for a century or so has had uninterrupted crime. New York City was the murder capital of the world. Then they got a, a Republican and, and a prosecutor in there, enforced the laws, became the safest city in the world. And now, of course, that was just coincidence. Um, Scott, you, you brought up something not too long ago that I think is a huge, huge part of this. Uh, 
I, I'm not entirely sure if I remember if it was your uh, the trial that you were jury foreman on. But basically, if I remember correctly, at least the outline of it is, is that somebody got a sentence that was very severe for at, at the very, very top end of whatever the sentencing parameters were. And that and that the reason that they had done this was because they'd had a certain number of crimes already, but they hadn't been punished for those crimes. And so by not punishing people for things like petty theft or, or, or you know, or public drunkenness or whatever, you, you are in a way cheating them of the education of these are the consequences to your actions. And so you end up with a guy who's broken the law 17 times and every time he's gotten a slap on the wrist and finally he does something serious enough on the 18th time where people say this guy's a career criminal and he gets, you know, this thunderbolt. Yeah, it was a jury trial that I served on and um and the defendant uh, ultimately wound up getting sentenced to 50 years, 26-year-old um, guy. Uh, but the reason he got 50 years and not something between maybe 5 and 20 years uh, was because of multiple previous felonies, which in the court system are referred to as enhancements. And so basically the jury was constrained to, uh, once they found him guilty, were constrained to this longer sentence time frame. Uh, he could have gotten he could have gotten life in prison under the guidelines that we were given. Um, but when I looked back at the history, and they talked about this during the sentencing phase of the trial, um, even though he had multiple uh, narcotics, intent to distribute, uh, weapons charges, discharging a firearm, uh, you know, towards somebody, all this other kind of stuff happened before in his life. It was unclear to me, but it didn't sound like he had served a any more than maybe a year and a half in jail. Um, and he was released on probation. He, in some cases, he was he never went to jail. And so he, even though he had multiple serious felonies on his record, he had never served any serious time. And um, and it showed in his reaction. Um, you know, first of all, he asked for the jury trial. Um, I think he thought that he was he was going to get more than he got, or, or less, fewer years, but he was going to be able to prevail upon a jury. Uh, and then he actually had his attorney put him on the stand. Um, his public defender attorney, who looked like she was out of her depth, like a lot of public defenders do, um, puts him on the stand, and that only made things worse. So if you're not accustomed to what a real trial is like, it's not like on TV or in the movies where the defendant's up there telling some heart, you know, felt story. The defendant answers questions and usually answers questions with a simple yes or no or a very short answer. And when it was time for him to leave the stand, the defendant was... Uh, outrage, and he kept saying, you didn't give me a chance to tell my story. And the judge is explaining, look, this is not how this works. We don't put you on the stand so you can get up and tell your story. We put you on the stand so you can answer questions. And uh, and so he was he was shocked. And I think, and, he, and when they took him out of there after being sentenced to 50 years, um, when they took him out of court, he's he's shouting basically that he's been treated unjustly and that he didn't get a chance to tell his story. And I think it's because for the first time in his life, he may actually have to face the consequences of his crimes. Um, and, and I think that's hard for... 
I'll give the all the benefit of the doubt to judges. Everybody wants to believe that if you give somebody a second chance, they'll take advantage of it. Um, and people are very patient, even judges. Um, and and you know, in the, with the best possible motives, they're thinking, hey, if you send him to jail, that's just a school for crime. It's not going to necessarily improve him. It's we'd like to believe it's a rehabilitation place, but in many cases, it's not. So he'd be better if we kept him out of jail. Um, so all of that said, assuming all the best uh, motivations on the part of the judges, unfortunately, part of your job is to send a strong signal about consequences to people who have no sense of boundaries. Yes, you said this person was uh, was exiting the trial complaining about the injustice that was done to him, and he's absolutely right. An injustice was done to him, wasn't done to him that day on that trial. But the injustice that was done to him with the number of times that he came up with ever increasingly more serious charges and was essentially given no punishment for it, nothing that hurt him, nothing that stuck. And so the injustice is, is that this guy did not get incremental discipline of pain that's what that's what corrective behavior is you do something that you're not supposed to do and you administer some pain and hopefully you will connect this bad behavior with the pain and then you will um you will not do the bad behavior anymore but when you do a bad behavior and you don't receive the punishment you not only don't get corrected you get encouraged to 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 accelerate down this path because now you know you can get away with practically murder. And that's where you end up with. You end up with people who should have been put away for a year or two for um, minor drug crimes or for assault on a police officer. The person should have gone to jail for two weeks instead of, you know, just two weeks. And, and without consequences, folks, on the lower end, this is kind of the point I'm trying to make. If you, if you basically excuse away all of these petty criminal offenses by saying it's not such a big deal it's only you know it's only you know you know resisting arrest or whatever we're just going to drop the charges then you you meaning the the judge and the and the um, judicial system are the ones who are being unjust to that person by not by not enforcing an appropriate punishment for that crime by not enforcing that you are not only allowing, but 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 encouraging them to do more of this until finally the great wrecking ball of reality comes and swings in, and you, and and your life is essentially over. And that, and that seems to be a major problem we're having. Uh, we we talked a lot about cities and stuff, but the thing I'm really seeing here most in these body cam videos are almost always women. They're almost always in their 20s, and they are convinced that that uh, when when a police officer comes up to your window that this is going to be a discussion between you and mom. And if you argue long enough and, and can hmm. find one or two points, then the police officer will eventually grow tired and go back to the car and you'll be able to just go on and, and, and do what you want to. I've seen videos where, where people, young people were so drunk they couldn't stand saying they didn't do anything wrong. I did, that's, that's the universal thing to the, to the prison. Yeah. I, well, I didn't do anything wrong. What did I do? Ma'am, you were driving drunk. You're four times over the limit. I didn't. I didn't hit anybody. I didn't hurt anybody. That that's the mentality, and all it does really is make me realize that you know we got to be tough on these small crimes before the big ones. But what it does for me emotionally is it really makes me pine for the days. Uh, I was actually not even born yet, but uh, it, it makes me kind of pine for what what I saw in the movies where the problem wasn't 
wasn't punishing the criminal. The, the, the punishment was certain and sure. You did disarmed robbery, you're going to jail for 20 years. The problem was catching the criminal. You know, I, I would like some of these people to accept the responsibility for the fact that they're criminals. Just once, I'd like to see some young person get get a, get arrested, get put in the back of the car, and have them say something like, "All right, you got me, copper. You got me, flatfoot. I'm not singing when I go to the big house. You hear me? I'm not a rat. I'm not going to be a rat. You know, I'm a criminal. I'm caught. Here comes my punishment. That's the that's the consequence of my actions. Actions without consequences will increase ever." Actions without consequences will produce ever more egregious actions that will yeah. then require consequences that are so severe that in a in a certain philosophical sense is a form of injustice. Oh, they, they still committed the crimes, but you can hardly expect a kid to stop having tantrums on the floor of the Walmart for a toy if you don't punish him for having tantrums on the on the floor of the Walmart and if you end up giving them the toy as a result of that tantrum what has that person learned we're going to see a lot more of this before we see a lot less of it for Steve Green and Scott Ott I'm Bill Whittle thanks for joining us we'll see you next time right here on Right Angle